Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Jordan dives into our new series, Meeting Jesus at the Table, with a sermon titled, Dining El Fresco. The scripture comes from Mark 6, 30 through 44, and is read by Lynn Drennan. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, I haven't been up here for a while preaching, and I just want to say uh, thanks to Pastor Carissa for giving me that, uh, that nice little break. The last time I preached was December 17th in Advent, so uh, it was very nice not to have to worry about writing a sermon, and uh, so I wanted to thank her for that. Uh, we started a new series last week. It was kind of half and half last week, but meeting Jesus at the table, going through this in Lent. As uh, Pastor Caress has said, we are talking about dining al fresco today, which I learned this term for the first time when uh, we got this book and I was reading it. If you have the book, if you notice in that chapter, it doesn't define what it means. And I was frustrated. I was like, what did I just read? I don't know what the title even means means dining outside. So if you didn't know that, now you know. Uh, dining al fresco means dining outside, but we have this story of the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, 
And to kind of get into that, uh, last week was the big game, right? The Super Bowl. And there was a, a couple of commercials in there that stirred up quite a debate online. My problem is I'm perpetually online, all right? So I live in a fantasy world that nobody else knows about, uh, where people are arguing about uh, certain commercials. The commercial uh, that, that caused quite a stir was the He Gets Us commercial. Did any of you see that one about Jesus and the washing of the feet? And what was fascinating to me about it was that no one was happy with it, all right? Now, not saying no one, there's people happy, but online, no one was happy about it. You had progressive Christians complaining because they say that uh, the funding that was made used for those commercials came from people that don't even follow their own message. And then on the conservative Christian side, you had people saying, well, you need to call out sin in people. You can't just accept them. And so no one was happy, right? It was a really strange thing to see. Uh, so what's going on with that? What's going on with us when we, when we can't even be happy with a simple message that is true to the ministry of Jesus? This inspired me to think about the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and how maybe it would be spun in different ways to fit our own narratives, all right? So I did this little uh, exercise. There's this thing, you've probably heard about it, chat GPT, right? And I asked ChatGPT to give me news headlines from major news outlets based on the story of the feeding of the 5,000. All right? So I didn't write these, okay? Uh, I didn't write these, but I asked ChatGPT to, okay? And just so you know, AI isn't sentient, all right? It's just collecting information it finds across the internet and then comes up with something from all of that, all right? So we're going to have a little fun with this. Are you guys ready? All right, here's the first one from the New York Times. In a stunning display, Jesus provides for thousands amidst scarcity. Uh, and then I did these little fun ones on the side. Uh, <laughs> for those who are li listening to the audio later on or online, you can't see it. It says, Caesar salad or Caesar's salad. Emperor's name sparks debate as new dish takes Rome by storm. <laughs> Okay. All right, that's the New York Times. So we're just seeing how it's slightly different with every news headline. All right, now we got Fox News. It says, controversy erupts as Jesus allegedly distributes free food to the masses. And then the subtitle that they had uh, was critics question sustainability and motives. All right. And the side story there says, Tax collector turned disciple. Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus sparks controversy and redemption debate. There's a nice little picture of a short person in that as well. Because Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. All right, CNN. Unprecedented act of compassion. Jesus feeding miracle shocks and inspires masses. And then the side one is, outrage erupts as King Herod's racial slur sparks calls for accountability and cultural sensitivity. <laughs> okay? This is fun, isn't it? I'm getting some different, different ideas with it. 
And the side ones too were come up, the ChatGPT came up with. I just asked it uh, uh, different Bible stories. Uh, Al Jazeera, Jesus' miraculous feeding of the multitude stuns onlookers. And then on the side it says, debate ignites over Abraham's poly polyamorous relationships. Should historical figures be canceled for their actions? <laughs> Life is funny. All right. Newsmax. Jesus is feeding miracle, a testament to faith or cause for skepticism. And then the side one is, I can't even read my own. Roman Empire under fire. Critics question adequacy of measures against illegal immigration. All right. JetGBT knows what it's doing sometimes. It, it, it collects all of the, the things that it sees of each place. Uh, the Washington Post, Jesus' feeding miracle reverberates through Galilee and sparks debates. Now on the side it says Pontius Pilate's ascendance, a rising star or a controversial figure amidst political turmoil. All right. So you may notice little things in each of these uh, headlines and how they're slightly different and what they're trying to focus on, what they're trying to spin in different ways. And you can also tell the biases of each one of where they kind of sit on certain things. Uh, and it does remind me of that tension of the two uh, extreme sides during this. Uh, he gets this campaign and their arguments around it as well. Now, we always see things through our own lens and try to uh, convince other people that our lens is correct. Part of this is... Um, Part of its avoidances. We avoid. We need to recognize how we avoid because in this story, what happened was the disciples and Jesus decided they needed to go rest. They needed to get away from the crowds, and all of a sudden, a crowd gathered and they were hungry. And you saw it with the disciples where they're like, What do we do? We need to send them down to the next town so they can buy food there. They didn't want to deal with it because they were exhausted. I mean, we've all had those moments, right? Where you're just tired and you're ready to be done for the day and then something just pops up and you're like, ah, don't want to deal with that. So then we avoid, we come up with excuses. The disciples also said, we don't have enough money to feed all these people. And they wanted to seek the respite, but instead were met with a crowd. I think we do that in our own lives with many things, all across the board, that we avoid stuff. Even unconsciously, we avoid things. I, I'm a person <laughs> um, that I don't like conflict. But specific conflict is a conflict between me and somebody else. I could step into somebody else's conflict and try and help facilitate and mediate. My own conflict with somebody, no go. I avoid it at all costs. Uh, and also, I think for a lot of us, we think we may be self-aware enough about ourselves and our tendencies and our avoidances, but that may not be true because 95% of people think they are self-aware, all right? And maybe you're in that camp. I'm in that camp too. But according to studies that really only 10 to 15% actually are, okay? So we're, even if we are self-aware, we may not be totally self-aware. Um, and our avoidances and the things we don't like and the ways that we, we push things off 
and don't want to talk about it. I, I know we often avoid conflicts of uh, politics, religion, anything we see as disrupting our own peace. Whenever you have those big family gatherings, it's, the rules are always ten, tend to be, we're not going to talk about politics or religion, right? Those are the two things because people get intense about those things. We avoid those who are different from us often because we don't understand. We avoid helping the poor. We, we see the person at, when we're at the off-ramp or uh, at a stoplight who's asking for money or food, and uh, we look the other way. I'm included in that. It makes me really uncomfortable because in my head I'm always going through all these things like, well, you're a pastor, you should lead by example. Then you're like, but no one's here right now to see it. <laughs> it's just human stuff, right? And sometimes you're in a hurry and you're like, I just don't have time. We avoid. We avoid. We avoid doing what Jesus taught us. One of the things I hear sometimes people avoiding to do what Jesus taught us by saying, but Jesus was perfect. We can't be Jesus, right? That's the avoidance I often hear. But with that, my response would be, well, then why did, why did God become human in Jesus to show us what it means to live in right relationship with God and with each other if we couldn't do it? Are we going to do it perfectly? No. Are we going to get it wrong sometimes? Yes. And there's grace for that. But it's something that we can do, but we often avoid. If we think of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, um, there's two camps of thinking what goes on in this story. First, the supernatural miracle of it, that there wasn't enough food, but somehow Jesus created this miracle where food was created out of thin air. And then we have the camp that believes the miracle is actually in the people who are there taking what they had and also giving to the crowd. So the miracle was the people who saw what Jesus did and Jesus was doing and wanted to be a part of it and gave of their own um, precious resources. It, it doesn't matter which one you believe is the right thing in scripture because I believe that no matter which one, which camp you fall into, the purpose and the message of Jesus's miracle here is the same because it's about showing that God's kingdom is characterized by abundance and not scarcity. Whether that was supernaturally provided by God or it was provided by the people. Both of it shows that this kingdom of God is something different. It's different than what we experience here because our world, our culture is all based around scarcity, right? The more scarce something is, the more it costs. The more money somebody can make off of it. But the kingdom of God is saying there's more than enough to go around. Understanding and embracing this theological truth can uh, transform our perspectives within life, within the world. Now God's table is al fresco. It's outside. It's not a table that... Uh, it's not a table that's restricted. It's not a table that's somewhere that we have to go to. It's not in a temple that we have to go to. But all of creation is God's table. And now everyone's invited to this feast. Everyone is allowed to this table. 
all of creation, all people, creatures, ecosystems are welcome into this table. Jesus' response to the crowd, the crowd's needs, showcases God's abundance, contrasting it to kind of our human tendencies to avoid. Jesus could have easily said, sorry, we've had a long couple days. We don't have enough. There's another town down the road that you can go to, and, and you'll find something there. Would have been helpful, but it would have been meeting the need then and there. So then his willingness was to fulfill it. Um, I can't remember exactly in the scripture that I was read if it said this, but some translations talk about that Jesus had like this kind of knot in his gut when he heard the crowds, or he took compassion on them. He couldn't avoid it. He didn't want to avoid it. He had compassion for the people. So he saw the need and met it. Sometimes we can avoid it by making up excuses like if we feed them, they'll never get motivated to get a job so they can buy food. Or like the children's book, if you give a mouse a cookie, right? They'll just keep going. Jesus didn't worry about that. He worried about fulfilling the need then and there. And I think this draws parallels to this table. When we uh, come together the first Sunday of every month of uh, celebrating communion together, that's reminding us of God's abundance, of his of provision, thanksgiving that this kingdom of God brings to us. And we practice it every month to remind us that it's not about scarcity, but it's about abundance in the kingdom of God. And if you notice in the story of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus had lifted up the food and blessed it, just like he did at the table later on with his disciples. Because that's the meeting place between God and God's people. Brennan Manning uh, describes the kingdom of God as abundance like this. God's kingdom is a kingdom of abundance, not scarcity. It's of generosity, not stinginess, of wholeness and not brokenness. We become whole at this kingdom. We become the people that God truly created us to be. Generosity, wholeness. Abundance, those are good words, right? Those are good words that you want to run towards. And that's what the kingdom of God is. I think the discipleship that Jesus is leading us in in this is a discipleship of compassion, a discipleship of understanding that not everybody is where we're at, that we need to meet people where they're at. Uh, most often in our culture for a long time, especially church culture, we expect people to come to us because it was just part of the culture. It's what you did. You went to church. And so now we often wonder, why aren't people coming to us more often? But the call of Jesus, even in this story, is we should go to them. We need to meet people where they are and what they're going through. Meet their needs here and now. So we need to empower ourselves and congregations and churches to recognize the resources that Jesus brings to us so that we can provide for others in our own community. This model for discipleship of compassion, of meeting people where they're at, um, two examples of it. One, I think about, uh, we, we're going through dog training with our new dog, Finn, and uh, how I can get really frustrated because 
when you have a dog who's older, Cal's 10 when he dies, so he's, he's older and so they slow down, right? And they're a little more lazy and it's just easier, right? They're just hanging out with you. And, uh, and they also know you, they listen to you well, they, all of that. And now Finn's like this puppy, a husky mix puppy. It's a lot and strong headed. Um, we had a trainer come this week and he said, uh, if Finn was a stray out in the wild, he would be the leader of the pack, all right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he, he was hard-headed the other night, spent about 45 minutes of a battle of wills between him and I uh, to get him to sit to go outside. So, you get frustrated because I'm expecting him to be where Cal was, even though... He's where he's at, right? So I need to meet him where he's at instead of expecting him to go somewhere he doesn't even know how to get to yet. There's another story that uh, Pete Peary uh, shared in a commentary, uh, a biblical commentary on this story. He said, in one city, a new form of religious congregation had emerged, started by a one-time mainline pastor. The pastor, declares, uh, the pastor declares that at the core of this congregation is Christocentric, so it's centering around Christ. However, he makes it clear the congregation is hesitant to declare it is Christian due to the baggage associated with the name. The congregation is, in his words, for those who have been burned by the church, burned by the church due to faithless or exploitative shepherds, burned like the older man who sojourned in, in a contemporary megachurch only to return to his mainline congregation with tears in his eyes and asks its pastor, Pastor, my son, is he in hell? He moved to New York, he contracted AIDS and died. The pastor at the church I had been attending told me my son is in hell because he never repented of his lifestyle. Tell me, is my son in hell? He says, there's a vast flock of sheep who have been burned by the church, by shepherds set on an agenda that feeds not the sheep, but the egos, the self-interest and the self-righteousness of the shepherds. And then the evangelical writer Brian McLaren declares, people are fleeing some popular expressions of the Christian church in the U.S. because they're tired of being told whom they must hate in order to be Christians. So we think about discipleship and how we're discipled in different ways. People who are burned by the church. You may hear about church and you hear that they're saying they're Christocentric, but they don't want to be Christian. You, you know, red flags tend to pop up, right? You're like, oh, I don't know about that. But then when you start hearing the reasons of why, trying to meet people where they're at instead of trying to get people to be where you are first, is the ministry of Jesus. The compassion discipleship of meeting people where they're at. So I think there's a lot to be learned from this story, and just like any other story in the Bible, it's a story that's the living word. That each time we read it, we can pull out something different that we've learned from God and about God's kingdom, about people, about ourselves. And I think one of the important things that fits into this, this story about how if we think about it in terms of, God, of people providing more food when Jesus was 
giving out food, that the miracle is in the people or supernatural. It's that we sometimes get to be that vehicle of a miracle for somebody else. Jesus himself in Luke says, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, lo, here it is or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God is in you, the kingdom of God is in me, that this kingdom of God, that we have experienced this new reality of God in our world, that we also get to be a part of that and make it a reality here and now. So I encourage you to trust in God's abundant provision and to embody Jesus' compassion in your interactions with others. To have that compassion. To know that in you is the kingdom of God that you can show others as well. So questions to kind of ponder on for yourself for this week. What are your go-to avoidance strategies? Maybe be aware of that this week. Maybe you'll find a new one that you didn't realize you had. How can the new perspective of abundance, that the kingdom of God is all about abundance, change your relationship with others? What needs can you meet to those who are struggling around you? We all can't meet all the needs of all people, right? Some of us have better gifts than others. Some of us have money that we can part with to give to somebody. Some of us, we don't have that. Some of us can give a meal. Some of us can give time, a shoulder to cry on. We all have different gifts, but which, what can you meet? And then how can you disciple like Jesus did in your own life? How can you have that compassion, discipleship that Jesus had, that when he saw people who were in need, there was a knot in his stomach? How can you cultivate that in your own life? When we focus on these questions, when we focus on the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, it's that the kingdom of God is in each and every one of us, and in the kingdom of God, there is more than enough to go around. Amen? Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.